I think that he'd max out close to a thousand yards, 900 yards, anywhere from three to nine touchdowns. Nine would be the absolute max, but I'd project him around six. Something. The Wag Me Fantasy Football Podcast, brought to you by Colin Garini and Nick Musto. All right, so now that we're a little bit separated from the NFL draft, I feel like we've talked about it quite a bit, but, you know, we can never talk about too much in May, right? Uh, so a couple rookies uh, that we're going to run through, break down, uh, only the ones that are going to have a big impact in year one. Let's just start with the obvious guy here, Nick. Yeah, everybody's favorite rookie, Bijan Robinson, the newest addition to the Atlanta Falcons running back. Um, fantastic pit for fantasy football purposes. Um, however, it could be debated whether or not it was the right pick for the Atlanta Falcons as a football organization. I was like kind of pissed off at them. I was like, why? Like you have a yeah. thousand yard rusher as a rookie last year in Tyler Algier and you doubled down on it. Mm-hmm. They wanted to go back. I mean, hey, they got the best running back prospect since Saquon I would think um Tyler Algier set the rookie record for Atlanta regarding rushing yards with 1,035 yards in his rookie season I don't think he'll be involved whatsoever um it's kind of hard to count a guy out but uh, to be fair Atlanta was first in team rush attempts last year uh, I think it was 559 and they were third as a team with over 2,700 rush yards 4.9 yards per carry as a team. They added a little bit to their offensive line too. So maybe Tyler Algier will still have value. Oh, and coach Arthur Smith was quoted saying, I want to run the piss out of the ball. Can we say that word on air? I think so. That's <laughs> a pretty encouraging quote. If you're a Bijan fan, if you have the 101 in a rookie draft, I, I want my coach saying that we're going to run the piss out of the ball. Um, but yeah, I think Bijan will end up taking most taking over most of the running back work, if not all of it, um, in an extremely run-heavy scheme. I don't think that you draft a guy with that much capital uh, in the NFL draft at, at, our, at the running back position if you don't plan on just giving him a full workload right off the bat. Absolutely not. Um, 63 running back receptions in 2022 for the Falcons. I think Bijan could easily see a 40-catch season on top of his – on top of, I think, a 20 carry and average per game. So you mentioned that you don't think Algier will be relevant himself at all, but do you think he's going to limit Bijan's ceiling at all, or is this still a bona fide RB1 we have on our hands? I think that maybe for the first few weeks of the season, Algier might. I, I think that as, as time goes on, Bijan takes over the team and all of the rushing work or the majority of it. But I think to start the year, you might be a little frustrated for the first three or four weeks. You see Algier get in on in situations where you'd really like to see Bijan, maybe in the red zone, maybe not. But I think that's the biggest threat that he poses. I saw something on Instagram earlier this week. It was like um, top 10 picks, running backs picked in the top 10 of NFL drafts since 2010. And the only one to finish outside the top 10 in the rookie year was Melvin Gordon uh, at RB48. Everybody else excelled. Saquon was an RB1, RB1 overall his rookie year. So, yeah, I'm all aboard this guy. I think he's he's definitely going to be a first-round pick pretty much in every draft. Yeah. All right. Uh, obviously, we have to go to the second running back pick in the first round. 
That's Jameer Gibbs. At first, uh, it was a confusing fit. I mean, it had me banging my head against the wall. After Bijan goes to Atlanta, who already had a really good running back uh, that they drafted last year, DeAndre Swift, David Montgomery, pre-existing in that Detroit backfield. But now it's a little more clear about Gibbs's role. DeAndre Swift obviously traded to the Eagles two days after the selection. And uh, Jamal Williams isn't coming back as well after leading the league in touchdowns last year. Detroit, very valuable backfield. 115 targets to running backs last year, 11th most. Swift had 70 and 14 games last year. A uh, year before, they were eighth in team targets to the running back position, 2021. Swift, 78 and 13 games. So he averaged six per game in 2021, five per game in 2022. Sounds like a good role that Gibbs is inheriting. Definitely. And you mentioned earlier, how it was kind of a shocking pick considering they brought in Montgomery on a three-year, $18 million contract. It's good money. Yeah. Montgomery as himself is a complete back. He had 39 catches per year throughout his career. He's gotten a lot of volume in Chicago, and we kind of expected him to take over the number one role here and, until the draft came along, of course. Yeah, and the money zone, the red zone, uh, is freed up with Jamal Williams not being back last year. Williams and Swift combined for over 150 fantasy points inside the 20-yard line, most by any running back duo last year. Swift, third in red zone targets himself and red zone receiving yards. Jamal Williams, obviously leading the league in red zone rush attempts, touchdowns, you name it. So whoever is going to fulfill that role is definitely going to see the biggest boost in fantasy. I don't really have an idea of who that's going to be. I feel like it's going to be rather split. What do you think? Yeah, I think, I mean, the two running backs that were in Detroit the year before are now gone. It's two new guys, and I think that they're both better than than who they're replacing. Um, I think Montgomery does fit a little more into the Jamal Williams role, and I think that, of course, Jameer Gibbs, his pass-catching prowess will fit into that DeAndre Swift role. Um, but I, I don't think that the <laughs> the... Lions will end up on the one yard line 16 times again. Yeah, that was pretty ridiculous. Yeah. So I think that the touchdown upside for that Jamal Williams role, which I think will be held by Montgomery, will be a little bit lower. Um, and I think Jameer Gibbs could also seed into that a little bit. Nah, obviously, just because he's a Lion doesn't mean he's going to lead the league in rushing touchdowns. You know, it's not just, you know, like a commandment of the yeah. NFL. Um, one thing I will say about Jameer Gibbs that maybe makes a little a couple owners cautious about drafting him is that he could be overvalued. One, because of David Montgomery. Um, two, because of the shiny new toy syndrome. We hear it every year in fantasy. You get a new prospect, new wide receiver, quarterback duo. We immediately think, oh, this is going to be the next great thing. Think about Cortland Sutton last year with Russell Wilson. Um, we fantasize over the new thing rather than the old but gold reliable and David Montgomery. I think both are startable in 2023, uh, but just want to just want to make sure we're not going to fall in that mental pitfall. Yeah, I, and they both have upside. They, they, I mean, Gibbs given PPR and Montgomery given the red zone upside. I think they both could easily finish inside as as running back twos. I like um, it. Who pissed you off the most? Yeah, the one that really hurt me was Zach Charbonnet going to Seattle. Um, I was watching the draft live, and I don't think that, like, I blinked for, like, two minutes watching this because Ken Walker is my baby, and he always will be. But this hurt. 
Um, you text me like eight straight times, a lot yeah. of F-bombs in there. What is going on? Um, yeah, Seattle, he enters a great system. Seattle average, or was the seventh, in, was seventh in average rush yards per carry um, this season with 4.8. Um, it's, it's the opposite of the Falcons decision to take Bijan. This was a really good football move for them. I think, however, it stinks for fantasy, which is the opposite of what we said for the Falcons, where it was a terrible football move, but great for fantasy. Um, this is going to hurt Ken Walker's stock. Um, Zach Charbonnet, they needed a second running back. Charbonnet is more than capable of filling that void. Um, and we know, given the history of running backs in Seattle, they struggle staying on a field for a full season. So this was, again, a great football move. Um, Charbonnet is a very capable back. Um, he's one of the he, I think he was the best downhill runner in the draft class, just in terms of you can give him three carries and he will get you a first down. Um, and, but he's also proven to be effective through the air in college, which adds something that Ken Walker may be lacking in. This might be blasphemy. But I think Zach Charbonnet, he, he was six in the FBS and 15 plus rush yard plays last year, which was like the best among NFL draft prospects. I think I read that. Fact checkers, you might want to get out Safari or uh, Google Chrome or Bing, for God's sake, if you need to check that. But I think that's accurate. But back to the injury thing that you said, Ken Walker, yeah, he started last year injured, I remember. During preseason, I forget what his injury was even, but ankle. He missed week one, I think. I he think. missed he missed week week one and two, I think. And it was he, at least limited. Yeah. Um. But so yeah, Ken Walker, obviously the better player. It's hard to say the opposite statement, you know, after having a, a thousand yard season as a rookie, and. I still think Charbonnet is going to get his flowers though in this offense. He drafted him in the second round, same uh, draft capital as Ken Walker. So it's uh, it's hard to hard to believe in Charbonnet here with Walker pre-existing, and it's hard to believe in Walker to be the RB one we wanted him to. Yeah, and I was trying to think of a good comp here, and what I kept coming back to was Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon. Who's who's who? I... Think that Ken Walker would be more the Aaron Jones that he's he's the faster player, change of pace running back, and Charbonnet I think fits the Dylan role of a ground and pound guy. Um, and what do we see in that backfield is Aaron Jones being much more valuable for fantasy. Um, still an RB one, I could easily see Ken Walker finishing as an RB one, but a low end RB one, not what we wanted when before the draft we were taking him as fifth six running back overall which i don't think you were all aboard the 10 train i was i'm still skeptical uh if i'm going to draft zach charbonnet it's going to be like round 14 my rb5 rb4 even i still think he might have some standalone value this year as a limited rookie Let, let me mention briefly the other day two running back selected Devin, I think it's A-Chain. A-Chain. Yeah, A-Chain. Devin A-Chain out of Texas A&M. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yep. He's went to the Miami Dolphins, probably going to be third string behind Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson. Both were re-signed this offseason. But I mean, take it with a grain of salt. Miami's depth chart shuffled around a lot last year. Chase Edmonds was a week one starter for Mike McDaniel last year. Fell out of favor rather quickly. 
but the Dolphins ran the ball the second fewest times last year, only 390 times. So I'm not that I see a lot of dynasty, especially in the dynasty community. People are falling in love with this uh, match made in heaven, but I don't see it like that. Um, I do think he fits the McDaniel scheme, um, but yeah, there's there's a lot of guys in front of him. Um, third round draft capital for a chain. He's only 185 pounds, but he makes up for it with his speed. That's what he that's what gave him stock heading into the draft was that he was probably the quickest lateral moving running back in the class. Um, and McDaniels does like his speedsters. That's what Raheem Mostert's known for is being for a couple of years, the fastest running back in the NFL. Um, so I think he will get touches in this offense, but how many is the most important question. And with that number, will he be fantasy relevant? Yeah. I mean, he could move to first string rather quickly. We saw Raheem Mostert do the same transaction last year, uh, was he acquired mid season, right? He started the year. No, Mostert. Was, no, Wilson was, Wilson sorry. Acquired mid-season. but still Mostert went from a, uh, backup role to starter rather quickly. So if A-Chain moves to first string, I still could see him only averaging like 10 touches per game. You know how Miami uses a committee backfield. They uh, hyper-target Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell through their offense. So I'm not really buying the prospect for redraft this year. Yeah, I think that what, what gives me hope in this offense is that, so we started the season, we saw Chase Edmonds as the RB1 there. Quickly changed to Mostert. Jeff Wilson comes in and he seems to take over the RB1 role. So it doesn't seem like Mike McDaniel has shown commitment to any either of the two running backs ahead of A-Chain right now, which gives me hope that there's room to move. He's playing chess while we're playing checkers. Exactly. McDaniel's just motivating each back by benching him every week. Um, Give me a day three guy that you want to draft at this position. Yeah, well, some things need to go right for me to want to draft him, but someone that gives me a little hope um, just based on the offense, is Deuce Vaughn heading to Dallas. Um, he's a 5'5 running back, kind of comps to Darren Sproles, very entertaining runner, bounces off tackles, but he could struggle in the NFL just given his size um, if, he, if, he were be, if he were asked to take over a downfield runner role, which I don't think will ever happen. Um, there isn't much upside in entering a Dallas offense with Tony Pollard locked and loaded as the RB1 but there is always opportunity for injury and there's, it's important to always draft your handcuffs, which is something that we harp on in the off season. Um, Zeke could return to that's noteworthy. I didn't think it was possible, but I'm reading headlines that it could, it's unlikely that he does, but it's still an open door crack door. We'll say Mike McCarthy. We know he wants to run the piss out of the ball. Um, Quote by Arthur Smith. Deuce Vaughn's path to success in fantasy lies in the receiving game. We saw Tony Pollard make a significant impact through the air last year. Uh, if Deuce Vaughn can maybe crack into that, uh, that portion of targets set aside to the running back positions, then perhaps he can be a nice late round flyer, have some spike weeks, uh, good best ball prospect. I feel like here he, he's going to have some splash plays, um, but he's, He's not something I want this year. No, and I, again, I look at him as a handcuff. Like, if they don't bring Zeke back, I think he should definitely be drafted in the late rounds, just as insurance. I mean, Pollard doesn't have a leg right now, so. Let's go to wide receivers. Yeah, uh, Jackson Smith, the Jigba, my favorite 
wide receiver heading into the draft. Hardest name to pronounce, too. Yes, it is. Um, very talented wide receiver. Um, the only thing standing in his way to fantasy success this season is debatably the best wide receiver duo in the NFL with Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. You almost throw up saying that. <laughs> I, I, I might have these. I, I had really high hopes for JSN, but um, the situation, not great. I mean, these are two studs ahead of him. Uh, Lockett doesn't age, finished as a wide receiver two or better for five straight seasons now. He's, he's a tank. He's a cut candidate or, or a trade candidate too. They they can save some bills yeah. this offseason. And if that happens, JSN, shoo, up draft boards. Like we're talking – Six round pick, just one for one swap where Tyler Lockett's going right now. Yeah. Uh, but if not, you know, sit, kick him down the road, maybe a late round fire. DK Metcalf was the most targeted wide receiver in the end zone in 2022. Not exactly good news for someone that is a very uh, possessively skilled receiver, especially from close range. However, Geno Smith threw for over 4,200 yards last year. Um, very capable. I mean, we saw he supported two elite wide receivers in fantasy last year. So it's hard to imagine you can squeeze another receiver and get that same fantasy relevance out of all three. Um, however, I think if any rookie can do it, it's JSN. Yeah, uh, I think that le- it'll be less of JSN not being involved and more of a situation where DK Tyler Lockett and JSN are all a little bit hurt by the presence of all three receivers. Sounds um, like a nightmare. Yeah. Who who do you think gets hurt the most between DK and Lockett? The two guys that are solidified in the offense. Honestly, the way the Seattle offense was conducted last year and what receiver filled what role, it's DK Metcalf. He was the chain mover last year. He started out his career as the vertical threat. He's seen his average depth of target decrease each year of his career. And last year, he was a guy averaging, I, I think, like 11 yards per carry, or a catch, excuse me. And JSN fulfills that role of a big-bodied receiver, uh, chain mover, and knows how to pick up the sticks. So I think it hurts DK Metcalf more, in my opinion. However, I think the consensus verdict would be Tyler Lockett for some reason. Yeah, I, I agree because I think JSN fits more into the chain mover role that DK's in than Lockett's deep threat prowess. But we've seen both guys kind of flip-flop in what they do on the field. Yeah. Uh, DK DK used to be the stretch guy. Lockett used to work underneath. Mm-hmm. Now it seems to be the opposite. Let's go to another wide receiver trio with a new rookie in it. Um, two cemented, very good veterans in it. That's in the L.A. Chargers offense. Quentin Johnston drafted, I think he was a pick after JSN in the, the draft. Um, Were they back to back? There was four straight receivers picked. Yeah, I know JSN was first. I think it went JSN, Quentin Johnston, and the other two guys we'll mention. Um, but QJ, Quentin Johnston, that's what I'm going to call him because we call JSN, JSN. Uh, let's just keep it simple. you know. But Kellen Moore, the new offensive coordinator in L.A., he and former offensive coordinator Joe Lombardi run a fast-paced offense, arcade-style uh, unit, good for fantasy football. Both Dallas and L.A. top eight in pace of play last year. Probably not going to be much difference uh, this year. Justin Herbert, career average of 40 pass attempts per game. Encouraging. Sounds like there's plenty of targets to spread around. Johnson is a wide receiver three. 
behind Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. With the Chargers restructuring Keenan Allen's contract in March, we know Allen won't be cut. Um, but that's the that's the painted picture of how that wide receiver trio fits into each other. Yeah, I mean Johnston fits in as a strong perimeter guy. Um, I think that it's a great selection for the Chargers as Williams and Allen proved that they cannot stay on the field last season. Um, so I think Johnson will work opposite of Mike Williams, Williams both as field stretchers, and then they'll have Keenan Allen working the intermediate routes. Um, Williams and Allen combined to miss 11 games last season. Uh, Johnson is one injury away from being leaned on heavily. If either Allen or Williams goes down, he will step into a prime role with Justin Herbert as his QB. I mean, look at last season, Josh Palmer averaged 8.2 targets per game in the absence of Williams and Allen in 2022. So that's just really encouraging to see that, oh, Keenan Allen's getting older. Can't stay on the field. Mike Williams can't stay on the field. Quentin Johnson has, it's not there right now, but there is huge opportunity for him heading into the season. It's a hidden opportunity or hidden intrinsic value in his draft price. Quentin Johnson, he's a cheap slice of a really good pie. That's how I'm going to look at it. Good probability that he's a double-digit round pick, a wide receiver four for fantasy, but he can achieve wide receiver two status in the absence of Keenan Allen or Mike Williams. One of those stars goes down. Huge opportunity, like you already mentioned. Even as a third option, though, Johnson can carve out a 15% target share and still be relevant in Justin Herbert's offense. Yeah, and Herbert had a very down year last year, and we still saw Allen and Williams be valuable when they were on the field. I think he only threw 24 touchdowns, if I have that right. One more. 25? Okay. We're, uh, we're, we're in the ballpark. All right, all right. Um, so, I mean, if he gets back up to a 35-touchdown season, which is what we expect from him, it I think that would be enough to give all three relevance in fantasy. I mean, you saw Keenan Allen, well – Justin Herbert, like he said, worst year of his career, but Keenan Allen had the best fantasy season of his career when he was healthy. The last eight games or whenever he was healthy last year, he was the wide receiver three from that point on. So, um, yeah, L.A. Chargers, something about Los Angeles Chargers receivers in fantasy football. Yeah. Um, Let's move on to the next wide receiver drafted. I don't remember what order, but, yeah, all three of these guys, like, went back to back to back. So Jordan Addison heading to Minnesota. Um, I think that Addison could be the most fantasy relevant rookie in the 2023 season. Um, 107 vacated targets from Thielen's departure, 70 catches for 716 yards was Thielen's stat line in 2022. So there's a big open hole for someone to fill. Um, KJ Osborne hasn't proven to be like a competent second option for Kirk in this offense. He's had his games, but he's never been. I was about to say, you remember that Colts game. I do. He went, he went, everybody though. Justin Jefferson had a game. Hawk had a game. Cook had a game. But yeah, uh, I think KJ Osborne scored like the first touchdown in that game to start the comeback too. So, I mean, he basically won the game for them. Big, big piece. Yeah. Um, Minnesota was second in total pass yards in 2022 with 4,818. Not all accredited to Kirk Cousins because he did not play every game. Um, but as a pass first offense with a lot of vacated targets, I think that this fits Jordan Addison perfectly. Yeah, but Hawkinson still is the second target to Justin Jefferson. He'll be heavy, heavily utilized in the red zone as he was towards the end of 2022. 
had the third most red zone targets among tight ends last year. Neither he nor Justin Jefferson will be hurt by this Jordan Addison addition. If anything, it really helps. I mean, look at the one-for-one swap between Adam Thielen, Jordan Addison. Uh, You go from the 32-year-old guy with a creaky old back to a 21-year-old guy with blazing speed and just dangerous in the open field. So I think this helps everybody in the Minnesota offense. I'm not discrediting any playmaker by this addition. And I think Jordan Addison, like you said, he's my favorite rookie wide receiver too. I think it's a match made in heaven. So you think heading into the season, despite what could change for guys like Johnston and JSN, do you think that Addison will be the first rookie taken? As things stand, yes. For if Tyler Lockett, if something happens to Tyler Lockett or DK Metcalf, it's JSN. If something happens to Keenan Allen or Mike Williams, it's Quentin Johnson. But right now, how reality is currently, it's Jordan Addison. He should be the first rookie wide receiver off the draft boards. Let's cover the fourth wide receiver taken in the first round. Zay Flowers went to Baltimore. Terrible pass offense last year. New system this year with Todd Monken. Uh, He shares a receiving core with Rashad Bateman, newly acquired OBJ. And this is like the 20th time we've mentioned it. And just in this season of podcasts alone, but OBJ's last 1,000-yard season came with new offensive coordinator Todd Mock and everybody. Case if you forget, it was in Cleveland, and it was in 2019. Seems like forever ago. Um, Yeah, Mark Andrews still the head honcho in this offense. Averaged 8.3 targets per game over the last two seasons. Finished at the tight end, two in 2021. Had high expectations heading into last year. But, I mean, without Lamar, he struggled. And he was playing hurt, too, I believe, for most of the season, Andrews. Yeah. Um, Hollywood Brown left this team. uh, 1,008 yards, 91 catches, six touchdowns in 2021. Finished as the wide receiver, 22. Um, Best season by far for a wide receiver with Lamar Jackson. I think that Zay Flowers is stepping into a prime opportunity. I'm an optimist for Flowers. He's extremely talented and dangerous in the open field. If Todd Monken can scheme up some space for Flowers, he'll catch fire. Low ceiling, low floor, lots of competition for touches. Who leads this receiving court in points per game? I'm going to – for me, the between the receivers, I think it's between OBJ and Zay Flowers. I think that Rashad Bateman – kind of gets left out. He's yeah. a funny looking guy in the group. Um, doesn't get any girls. <laughs> but no, nah, I'll, I'll say Zay Flowers leads him in points per game. I don't know what OBJ has. Last time we saw him was pre-ACL tear, second ACL tear as well. I don't really know what he has anymore. Like we, we just don't know. So I'm going to go with Zay Flowers. I'll double down with you. Yeah. Um, next wide receiver to talk about would be Jalen Hyatt heading to the Giants. Um, Something we've said, I think, multiple times now in this fantasy football podcast season is that he was the Bolitnikoff winner in 2022, which is the given to the top wide receiver in college football. Never forget. Nope, can't forget about that. Um, Darren Waller heads uh, will lead this team in receiving yards, I'm projecting. I think he offers a safe, large target down the middle of the field for Daniel Jones to pepper. I think that Waller fits into Daniel Jones's play style. He's not the most accurate quarterback in the league. Darren Waller doesn't need that. He's a massive man. Um, and, and I also think that he's just the most talented pass catcher on this team outside of guys that like 
it's a it's like a 10 person receiving core. Well, i can't you, even name them all yeah when looking at the receiving room it's a lot of mid guys i mean wandale robinson who is probably the most talented uh, second year receiver darius slayton isaiah hodgins sterling shepherd <laughs> jalen hyatt is the most different out of the group he stretches the field stupid fast um gonna be the take the top off a defense guy in this this offense what do you think his ceiling is this year I think that he'd max out close to a thousand yards 900 yards anywhere from three to nine touchdowns nine would be the absolute max but I'd project him around six something like that I think that I mean 900 yards six touchdown season is more than fantasy relevant um but it's not above the other rookies that we've been talking about I don't know if he can get there. I think, I mean, that's a ceiling. It, it would take Daniel Jones to really ball out, which uh, I don't know. I don't know if we're going to see that. Let's go over two more receivers really quickly. Uh, you know, they're probably, they're later round guys. So got to mention them because we think they're going to fly under the radar. Well, this guy, both of them actually are second rounders. So not that late, but yeah. I'll go with Rashi Rice from Kansas City. Same draft capital as Sky Moore a year ago. Moore selected one spot ahead of him. No Juju, no McCole Hardman. Juju second on the team with 101 targets last year. Stiff competition. You have uh, Rondale, or yeah, Rondale Moore, Sky Moore, Marquez Valdez Scantling, Kadarius Tony, Richie James was signed also. So pretty stiff competition behind Travis Kelsey, of course. Um, however, the general manager, Brett Feach, who's from Mount Carmel, not too far from us. Fun fact. He stated that Rashi Rice is the perfect replacement for Juju, and he's correct. Both are roughly the same size, at the same athleticism and style of play. It's just a connection with Patty Mahomes that I like. Yeah, I, you have to learn the offense, and it's a complicated offense. Um, but yeah, I think that if you could fill that Juju role, the Juju role was valuable last year. It was the most consistent wide receiver role in the offense to say, um, which isn't much because he, Juju in his own was not the most consistent receiver. But, I mean, it's Patrick Mahomes. You don't know him. Like, when Tyreek Hill was there, it was a clear-cut wide receiver one. I'm not saying Rasheed Rice is going to be Tyreek Hill, but if he could fill into that Juju role and maybe a little bit more than what Juju had, hit, I mean, he's very valuable, just given Patrick Mahomes. Last rookie receiver you're going to mention. Yeah, Jonathan Mingo headed to Carolina. I'm going to be coupled up with Bryce Young down in down in the Carolinas as a Panther. Uh, Mingo has a path to be the wide receiver one in Carolina this season. Um, his competition is DJ Chark and Adam Thielen. Both guys, or we talked about Thielen earlier, creaky back, I think was mentioned. <laughs> and Chark's been underwhelming in his career, aside from a breakout season, if you can call it that, in Jacksonville a few seasons ago. Uh, Mingo 6'2", 220. He stacks up as an idea, ideal physique for an NFL wide receiver. He's just got he's got the size and he's got the speed. Um, so I think that he is just the prototype that Bryce Young would need in this offense. And I think that he could end up taking over this top role here. Hey, man, I don't want any DJ Chark breakout season slander. Second year, thousand yards, eight touchdowns. Beautiful for fantasy football that year. I'll never forget that. It's got a lot of hype that season. Like he, like in the offseason after that year, everybody oh, yeah. was expecting the next best thing. Can't remember if he got hurt or not. Yeah. Um, 
but it was lackluster to say the least. I don't want any pass catcher in Carolina until I like see who's established. I'm willing to pay the price for Bryce Young's top target, but I don't want to play this bullshit game of overdrafting one. You're probably getting Mingo in like the 13th, 14th round. Even. Oh yeah. I don't, I don't know where if he gets drafted still think nobody's going to be relevant. Yeah, let's last, yeah, last position. Show some love to the tight ends here. Uh, Dalton Kincaid, my favorite tight end drafted. Um, heading to Buffalo, McDermott um, stated that he wants to go with more two tight end sets, which is very encouraging because they have two good tight ends. I think that Kincaid is the better of the two. Um, I think Knox will lead more into that blocking role, that blocking tight end situation where Kincaid will carry more of the receiving role. And that's something that you really want in this offense, of course. Josh Allen um, has shown that he wants to spread the ball around. I mean, last season, Diggs started out as, like, hands down the wide receiver one, and then he fell off because Allen started to spread the ball around. Cleo Shakir got involved. Gabe Davis had his games. Dawson Knox turned it on near the end of the season. Come on now, another lost soldier you're disrespecting here with Dawson Knox. Signed to a four-year, $52 million contract just a year ago. They paid the man. Uh, I'm not I'm not in on Dalton Kincaid at all this year, but with the number of pass touchdowns that Bills throw, um, you know, who knows? Dalton Kincaid might catch a half a dozen of them and have his fair share of weeks. But I think Dawson Knox is there and that's going to severely limit what a rookie tight end can do. You think he could be a top 12 tight end? Um what exactly would it take for him? You think six touchdowns cuts it? I think six touchdowns does cut it. I mean, I don't even know who the back half of the top 12 tight ends were last season. And I think that just goes to show that it doesn't take much to be a top 12 tight end. Um, so things you really want to look for are opportunity, which he does have because he's in one of the best offenses in the NFL with one of the best quarterbacks. They score a lot of touchdowns. And I think that he stacks up against Knox to be the better pass catcher. So, I mean, the opportunity is there. And I think what it would take is about, yeah, six touchdowns, 700 yards. He'll be a top 12 tight end. That's very ambitious of you to think. I mean, what what, what was Pitts his rookie year? He was a thousand thousand yarder. Yeah. He was, I don't remember what he finished, but it was top 12. It's a thin position. Yeah. My favorite rookie tight end that I'm probably going to leave some drafts with is Sam Laporta out of Iowa to the Detroit Lions, picked 34th overall, steps in as a tight end one in Detroit, and it's been a glaring hole ever since TJ Hawkinson was traded away. They were, they targeted their tight end six least last year. They went from seven targets per game with Hawk to four per game without Hawk. So definitely a position that was just neglected after talent left. Um, there is going to be a hole to start the season. No Jamison Williams to start. They swapped DJ Chark for Marvin Jones as well. Laporta, strong receiver in college, over 50 catches each of the last two years. Could be second to Amon Ra and targets to start the season. My favorite rookie tight end. I think a great comp- or great opportunity uh, lies in front of him with little competition. I mean, what's what's the guy that's there now? Brandon Wright is that his name? Brock 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 Wright, Wright. something like that. Yeah, B Wright. <laughs> Every once in a while, yeah, I only know it's B Wright because I see like on a game cast, B Wright scored a touchdown. I'm like, who is this guy? Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. No competition at the tight end position. So, yeah, he'll definitely take over that role. 
wasn't Marvin Jones there like yeah. last not last year but like the season before a couple years ago yeah oh, okay. could have yeah. been could have been just I two it was 2021 that he yeah. was there yeah he had some four touchdown games for them Let's knock out the rest of these tight ends real quick yeah Michael Mayer slid down draft boards headed to Vegas um replacing Darren Waller in that system there which is a big role to fill Darren Waller of course one of the better tight ends over the past five years um He's sharing this room with Austin Hooper and O.J. Howard. O.J. Howard never done anything, was supposed to do everything. And Austin Hooper, just an average tight end in the NFL. Between Um, newly acquired Jacoby Myers and Hunter Renfro, I think that close to mid-range target area is going to be occupied already. And you can't forget, Tay, he's going to eat first. Jimmy G, not a vertical thrower either. Offense is going to be limited. And I think Michael... Mayor is like the fourth best receiving option at the very best. Yeah, especially with the crowded experience tight end room. Like it's just there's and plus the receivers you mentioned. It's just not something that I'm really looking forward to in year one. Ironic because I thought he was a consensus tight end one heading. Honest, I saw everybody was a consensus tight end one heading into the draft. I saw Mayor, Kincaid. I even saw Darnell Washington at some point. Um, but we'll talk about him a little bit. Headed to Pittsburgh. He's not going to be fantasy relevant at all, but I felt obligated to mention him. Just had to get your Pittsburgh Pittsburgh. (laughs) He's the steal of the draft. Fourth round. Like heroin for you. He's basically a lineman that can catch the ball. He's he's insane. Fourth round, absolute steal. He'll catch a few touchdowns this year. However, he won't touch Pat Fryer-Moose role, who I think is not gonna, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna get into it. I'm not gonna talk about what I think is gonna happen to this offense. What Fryermuth is gonna do? I probably shouldn't say anything about the Steelers guys we talk. We talk about save it. Just save it. Last guy gonna spend like ten seconds on Luke Schoonmaker, the Spoonmaker in Dallas, replacing Dalton Schultz. However, he'll share time with Jake Ferguson. Dallas does use their tight ends a lot. Top ten in tight end targets the last two seasons, um, but. <laughs> yeah, that's about it for me. <laughs> I don't really have anything to say about shoot, Schoonmaker. Shoot, how, the shoon, Spoonmaker. Just call him Spoonmaker. The Spoonmaker. Yeah, I don't have anything to say about him. Could be a good fit. Fit. They need to replace Dalton Schultz, but who's to say that it's not Jake Ferguson to do that? Yeah, and uh, under Mike McCarthy, tight ends aren't that relevant. Jermichael Finley had a couple good seasons as a Packer. Nothing spectacular. Jared Dal- Cook? Was that Jared Cook's time Was in he? Green Bay? I think that was after. Was it? Oh. I think that was. I think that was more recent. He was good than in Green think. Bay, but I, I couldn't remember if McCarthy was coach. Yeah, and Brandon Cooks, healthy. Michael Gallup, Schoonmaker, the Spoonmaker, good fit, but definitely won't out target those three guys. I'm out. Yeah.